What's up, people? We are back here for another podcast. It's been a while. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. But with COVID and all that nonsense, you know, we had to go away, take a break. But now we are back. And we are back in Plus Two University. If you don't know Plus Two University, this is my man Cardell Jones' spot. Uh, him and Eric Lichter, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, this yes, is sir. the gym where they, they train a lot of people, man. So if you're looking to get trained by some professional caliber guys, Plus two university is a spot to be. And we're going to have a little something different, man. We're going to have Cardell hopefully on this thing on a regular basis, man. So uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for welcoming me welcoming me to your spot, man. It's beautiful here. Um, how you been, bro? Good, man. Thanks for having me, man. Hopefully this is a long-term thing for uh, me to continue to join you and uh, venture out on different things and talk about different things. You know, before when it was just you and Boone, I always enjoyed coming in, right. uh, kind of reminiscing about the good old days and talking about the team and talking about what's going on in NCAA. Uh, we got a lot of things going on now right now, <laughs> how the new norm is uh, supposed to look with not just uh, football, but, you know, with everything with social distancing. And just to be clear, people, we are six feet away. We yeah, we, yeah, we, 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 we measure. That's some space. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, let's, let's kick this thing off. Man, what's your thoughts on uh, everything that we've experienced at this point in time? Do you, well, let me rephrase that. Do you think it's harder now or easier now for these guys to get up for games because you don't have the fans in the stands. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with harder only because I'm we let's let's focus on Ohio State. I know everyone's not playing with fans. I know everybody's not doing their norm. They're trying to get used to a new norm. But one of the main things I came to Ohio State and I spoke about this on a weekend kickoff. I think about two or three Thursdays ago before the, uh, the season kicked off with the Big Ten is that I came to be a part of some of the unbelievable traditions mm-hmm. and some of those traditions from school session. From uh, the dinner at the um, dinner at the golf course, um, from interacting with our fans before and after the game, and all of that is taken away from these guys in such short notice and and in such um, a dramatic way. It's just like, because you remember how it is walking through school. Oh man, bro! Like school session was probably the greatest and the worst thing you can do as a Ohio State <laughs> football player because you're walking through there, you know, you're going through the Pepperola, you're going to St. John's, people are pumping you up, and then you walk into the stadium and then you, the game don't kick off for another hour, no, maybe three two hours. hours. Yeah, That's crazy. Two, three yeah. hours. And you like, you go on that super high, then you got to taper right back mm-hmm. down. So um, the guys don't have that. So they got to find some ways to kind of um, self-motivate, to right. self-juice, but still to kind of contain that excitement and get ready for the game. That was the part that, man, that, that really bothered me with everything is because when you're a kid and you go to Ohio Stadium, right, and you go and you're in there and 105,000 people, that makes you want to go to Ohio State. And it, when you exactly. Recruited, I mean, you come exactly. to different places, you get a chance to go to Ohio State game, you see the atmosphere, you're feeling it, that makes you want to go there. And to not have the fans in there, obviously I get it, understand why they don't, but that has to be hard as hell for a guy just to be there uh, and get up for a game it's almost like just playing in a jersey scrimmage. You know, we had the jersey scrimmages exactly. where it's nothing. Nobody else is in the stands. You just got the players going out there playing balls and walls. But, I mean, I don't know what, how it was, the jersey scrimmage, when you guys were in school. But when I was in school, every Saturday we had scrimmage. We had student days. We had three or four or 5,000 students coming to our practice to watch us scrimmage against each other. And then, plus, we selling out the shoe for spring games. Yeah. So, um, this we is We didn't have anybody at our jersey scrimmage, man. It was <laughs> yeah. straight. So, Maybe parents are coming to one. Yeah, see, yeah, we always – Coach Meyer always wanted the game practice to have 
as much as a game atmosphere as possible mm-hmm. to prepare us for running into 105 plus right. in the stadium going crazy for us and then clearly playing in a hostile environment such as a Penn State or a team up north and uh, just being used to that. You know what's crazy, man? I think it was, I want to say it was Georgia, like uh, their week one or whatever. And I'm looking at, you know, the stands. And, bro, they probably hold, I don't know, what, 90,000. It would have had to at least be 50,000 people in that damn stadium, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it was a Georgia game I was watching. And I'm like, everybody else is empty or has minimal people in there, and you got 50,000 people in this Georgia stadium. Like, what the hell? You could tell though, that's one of those states that really ain't caring too much exactly. about social distancing and COVID whatsoever. Exactly. But you look at a state like Florida as well. You know, a couple of weeks ago, they came out and said the, the Gators can fill the stadium if they wanted to. And then the coach get COVID, right. I think, the following couple of days. But I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I was actually lucky enough to get an opportunity to go down to the Texas and OU game this mm-hmm. year. And um, and they, I think they, they probably was operating about – Maybe a little under half capacity as mm-hmm. um, far as filling the stadium. And it was still a good environment. You know, you can tell it was a difference clearly. But, I mean, the fans still got loud. They're still pumping some music in there. They're pumping some sound in there. But the most interesting part about that experience was they didn't allow the bands to travel with the team uh. and perform. I was like, you couldn't have, you know, 100 band members perform, you know, on the field for right. the fans. But you got, you know, probably 45,000 people in the stadium. So. Which is crazy. And when you're talking about a big rivalry like that, the bands play so much into that. Oh, my God. You have no idea. I mean, clearly you do. But, I mean, an average person have no idea how much the, your, your, your fight songs or your themes mm-hmm. when they come on and that and going into, you know, the fourth quarter or hang on Sloopy or right. something like that gets not just the fans into it but the, but the players as well. So, you know, that's definitely another aspect that the players are missing and another, I guess, um, avenue of freaking – motivation and promise right. that these players what don't was, have. What was that experience like going to that uh, game? Because I've never been to – I think I've been to Pittsburgh, West Virginia – no, it was a Pittsburgh – it was Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech when they were his big rivals back in the day. But I've never been to another college football rivalry game. What was that like? You know what? It, w- it was pretty cool. Obviously um, different with COVID. But yeah, yeah, it was still pretty cool. You know, the the big thing about that rivalry is leading up well, it's the clearest the game, but it's leading up to the game. Far as um, the the fair that they have outside, because it's on fairgrounds, right? That's mm-hmm. how the stadium is. Is you know they have venues, they have rides, they have like a kind of like a carnival atmosphere, and kind of a lot of that was shut oh, down. Found dope. Yeah, so it was like I mean the game kicked off I think at eleven. So you know instead of people people are tailgating mm-hmm. there, but they also enjoying all the like the you know the carnival top right. style uh, themes when it's coming from good food games and uh, rides and stuff like that so it's a real all day affair for the fans of Texas and OU because they get there so early and then they hang it out after the game as well but how do you, you know, compare it to ours versus Michigan see it's different see okay. i haven't I take that back. I have had an opportunity as a fan to experience that on both aspects, before through recruit mm-hmm. and afterwards. I don't think nothing still compares to that. <laughs> you know, I've been up to the team up north versus Ohio State. Right. I've never been to Ohio State versus team up north here, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I can't wait to experience that in, in pretty much full effect right. as a fan. But, you know, it was different down there. You can just tell, you know, they had a, they also have a sense of pride about, you know, both schools, both universities, both tradition rich and things like that. But um, I don't think nothing still compares to the team of the right. Ohio State. <laughs> I always wanted to know that, man. Uh, but, yeah, man, this is it's just crazy It's because it's the new normal. And I'm hoping at some point we get back to some normalcy. But it's kind of hard because you really don't see any end in sight with this thing. I mean, obviously you hear about vaccines coming out, but we know how long those take to be implemented into uh, society. So 
I'm hoping for something, man. I'm hoping for some type of miracle to come down and, you know, to, it, to exile COVID and make it more manageable so we can get back to everyday living and just everyday sports living because that has been the one thing that has always taken us away from everything that was going on in the world is sports. And now you got this little lackluster type of sports field because you don't have the fans. You don't have anybody there just riling you up. You're not as excited. At least I haven't been as excited yeah. about sports as I've been in previous years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I talked to some of the players, not just in the NFL, but on the college level as well, of the atmosphere and, and kind of what you play for and how you feel and things like that. I mean, like I said before, you know, guys feed off the crowd. Hell yeah. and, and guys feed off, you know, not just the home crowd, but when you walk into the hostile environment, you the away team, and you know they booing you, they uh. licking you off, and screaming <laughs> at you. They feed into that. So how that missing aspect of things, they just say, hey, it just feel, you know, clearly different and and something new, and um, and not to get into politics and like that. But I always say, hey, this COVID stuff can go away right after the election. Well, the election's <laughs> still going up, right? So <laughs> so it ain't going away yet. <laughs> Bro, so we, we got to dive in. Obviously, Ohio State they played two games. Um, want to get your thoughts on, you know, what you think of this football team thus far on the offensive end first. Because obviously we got to go with the hit on the defense. We lost some some key players, as we did on offense. But what's been your take the first two games uh, of the season, seeing Justin Fields in our offense? I think the offense are definitely taking strides in the right direction and becoming an elite offense in uh, college football. Um, you know, you got a guy like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, man. You can just close your eyes and, oh, he over here throw it over there or whatever Based. it may be. Um, the guys are good. And and that's one thing I personally was worried about, the timing and the, and the, um, and the chemistry between them two when it came to missing spring ball, when it came to, you know, having that delay in the schedule and not knowing they're going to play or not. You know, but you can clearly see them guys take it upon themselves to get their timing down pack. And Chris and – I didn't expect it from uh, from Justin and – uh, golly, Justin and Wilson uh-huh. just because, you know, Chris and Justin been together longer. Right. But the chemistry those two have as well is just unbelievable. So you can clearly see the work they put in outside of, mm-hmm. you know, the limited time they had due to COVID that they was getting together and, and making sure, you know, they hit the ground running. Now, I, sorry to cut you off. I asked myself, man, is that going to be able to sustain? Because when you go back and you look at years past at Ohio State, we've always spread the ball around. Now we got two marquee guys that are getting a monkey off every freaking week. Yeah. You think it would be able to sustain? Yeah, but you still got a lot of complimenting players to them guys. Mm-hmm. So, 100%. you know, these other players are not getting the ball as much or not getting as much recognition. I'm pretty sure they can go anywhere in the country and probably be number one or number two receivers right. easily. But you're, they are playing aside, you know, potentially two All-American receivers mm-hmm. and an All-American quarterback who already got, they, like I said, hit the ground running with these guys already. So um, I'm definitely, I was definitely impressed to see that. I'm definitely excited to see the growth not just on the offensive side of the ball and to try to, you know, change gears and talk about our defense, man, and <laughs> some of the things that I worried about with not just our defense but just with college football overall was um, tackling mm-hmm. and open field tackling because that's not easy, you know, and, and saying it from a guy who never had to make an open field tackle, <laughs> I just know how hard that can be when right. you've got a guy running at you full speed and he can go any direction need to be. And missing that – critical point of spring ball mm-hmm. when you're not necessarily hitting each other but you're working so many fundamental drills and you can see them fundamentals coming up to bite a lot of people in the butts right now not just with Ohio State yeah I mean that's uh on, on the defensive end I mean that was the the big question mark is what are we going to look like especially up front um what's the guy's name Toga is it Tommy T- Tommy yeah he looks damn good yeah got a motor out of this world yeah uh so I'm excited about him on the defensive line and obviously I think we got other complimentary players um Last week we didn't play great in the secondary, though, man. That I was 
that was the question mark that I had. Obviously, away coming back, you know, everybody felt real good. But when you look at that game and you look at that receiver, what was his name? Thornberries. What's, what's the guy's name? The receiver from uh, Penn State? Number five. Uh, Dotson. 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 I don't know where I got Thornberry from, but <laughs> Dotson, dude, lit it up. And it, it made me sit back and wonder, okay, is this one of those deals to where we have to question the secondary all year because of that? Or are we just going to chalk this up and say Dotson was a good-ass player too and was up for that game? You know what? I think it was I think it was more so of, you know, we went into that game, me personally, from the outside looking in, we went into that game on focus on one thing, stopping the run. Because the only threat they got is the quarterback run. We didn't think the quarterback would be able to take shots downfield and have some of the success that they had. I mean, they they held the guys to under 50 yards rushing. So I think the emphasis going into Penn State was our front seven need to play better than we played last week. Because you look at the game versus um, Nebraska. Nebraska went down the field the first drive and opened up. The the, uh, the first drive of the game and scored. And a lot of them, a lot of them yards came on the ground. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to focus. It looked to me like we wanted to focus on stopping the run, definitely knowing that this quarterback was a big threat to run and get out the pocket and things like that. And we just kind of got a little lazy or, or lax with Davis on the back end, and that's when we got hit with some big plays. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is I, when you go back and you look at the, the Nebraska game, I thought we did well. I thought we adjusted well. Yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, kudos to obviously our coaching staff on the defensive side and um, – and them getting those guys in position. But when we look at them versus Penn State, I thought the game was just going to be get out of hand. Initially, what was it, like 21-3, to 21-6? And that was another debacle right there, the whole timing deal. Yeah. That was crazy as hell. But nonetheless, they started to come back in that game, and I was like, man, this is worrisome because traditionally you don't see that. But I, I get what you're saying with the defense was more geared towards stopping Clifford, who's an Ohio kid. We knew he was going to, you know, pull the ball down and be able to run it. And at times you can be susceptible uh, to those big plays down the field. Certainly looking forward to them playing a whole lot better, though, in that secondary because I know sure. obviously we got the talent for sure. to be able and to play with anybody. For sure. And Coach Combs, man, I know he's a D coordinator now, but secondary is his specialty. You look at his track record with a guy, Bradley Roby, Marshawn Lattimore, you got Denzel Warren, you got Gary Klein, and the list goes on. Oh, to crazy. these guys that he coached <laughs> on the back end, he, he's going to take that as a personal challenge to get that ready, right. not just overall the whole defense. But the secondary, that's his, that's his bread and butter. If you can look at this team, right, and, and you see how good we've been on offense – how good at times we've been on defense. Where do you see the hole at on this team? Um, I know where I see it at. I wouldn't. You know what? You know what? And and this is why I. I but not even a hole, just to kind of. Yeah. Place where we yeah. Improve. Yeah. This is yeah. The the places of improvement clearly I I've been saying this since you know week one. Um, even though God leave me in week three and it's November, uh, crazy to say that. Wow. But um. I think um, I think tackling, mm-hmm. I think tackling is a big emphasis for me that you know we can always improve on, and I think um, I mean I, I I know I just said I'm not worried about the secondary, but I think making plays on the ball, mm-hmm. you know, overall, and that's just not just secondary, so, you know, that's a linebacker, you know, chasing the tight end downfield and things like that. Um, so I think tackling and, and making plays on the ball and on the offensive side, I definitely think the run game needs to step up better. Um, I think we they need to take that as a personal challenge, not just the big guys up front, but the ball carriers as well. Right. And I don't want to see Justin Field taking as many hits as he's taken, you know, and that's just uh, his decision making far as if he needs to throw the ball away or right. let him fight another play. Mm-hmm. I agree 100% right there, man. The offensive end. You know, I want to see that run game be better. And I think, you know, part of it is because we've been so used to seeing, uh, you know, we go from Carlos Hyde, right? Then we go to Zeke. And then we go to Mike Weber. And then we go to J.K. So it's like we went from boom, 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 boom 
to guys that we knew was going to rattle off a thousand yards, knew had some wiggle. And now, not to say that these running backs aren't going to be able to do it, and not to say that they aren't capable, but we just don't see that wow factor right now in which we're used to seeing. Exactly. But you look at you look at that trend when we had the Carloses and the Zeeks, and, and even when guys when, when you were playing, then mm-hmm. guys that came after you. One thing that we did an unbelievable job in, we had younger guys that compliment those guys. When 100%. you had Carlos, you had Zeke complimenting him in certain situations. Zeke and Rod Smith complimenting him in certain situations. When those, when when Carlos left, Zeke just stepped right into it. Right. When you had Zeke, you know, Mike, we sprinkled Mike in there a little bit. We also had Curtis Samuel coming out the backfield as mm-hmm. well. So when you had Mike playing at a young age, you still had J.K. coming up and playing at a young age. Right. So when Mike was taking off, we was giving J.K. some sprinkles mm-hmm. of ball. So when we knew when Mike left, J.K. was the guy. Right. I think Ohio State, they we, we kind of missed that 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 gap period of ages just because of, of J.K. and T. coming in at, at the same time pretty mm-hmm. much. They didn't have that – T. didn't have the opportunity to get those little sprinkles of, of significant reps and understand what it's – feels like in a in a big time situation because he was there with Mike, JK and himself. Right. So it was almost like, you know, huh, you get the breadcrumbs. And, and it's but, different <laughs> learning from a peer than it is a vet too. Exactly, exactly. So he never had that vet that he can I mean you can it's cool to learn from a peer. You bounce off ideas off each other and things like that because you guys pretty much are going through the same type of adversity at the same time because mm-hmm. of age you might not be playing as much. But when you got that vet like you said and, and you can see that he can you can learn from his mistakes or he can he can help you avoid some of those mistakes that he had at that young age, it's completely different. Right. Yeah, man, I want to see one of those guys take over. I man, I thought Teague did a good job last week, um, you know, churning out yards. I thought the offensive line was much better uh, in the run game than we were versus Nebraska. Um, Sermon, another cat that obviously, you know, he makes the transfer over from Oklahoma. Um, and you want to see those guys always, uh, and especially with me. You know, I'm thinking when we get the transfers that come in, especially when they're skilled guys, they got to come in right away. And ball because <laughs> Justin Fields set precedent now yeah. that if you go get a transfer, you're going to transfer to Ohio State, you better come in ready to rock. Oh, for uh, sure. And I thought Sermon he did good, showed some flashes, but I just want to see one of those guys take the reins and go with it because that's yeah. what we're used to seeing. Yeah. That's always been one of the more important position groups here is the running back spot, and we always had a marquee one, and we hadn't got that yet, man. So. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's that exactly. question right there for me. You know, when it, when it comes to anything on offense, man, I like to challenge my big guys up front, man. And they and they did do better. The, the linemen did do better than um, the week before. They was definitely changing the line of scrimmage. I mean, they had more success on the ground, but it wasn't just as much success as we used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And then you got to think about it's a double-edged sword. We we are late in the season in a way, but we're still early in the season. We right. late in the year, but early <laughs> in the season. So if this was week two. In a normal situation, when it's September, early September, we won't even be talking about this. Right, exactly. But this is not a long <laughs> season, and like I said before, man, we we you know how it is in the games, and, and and you know, God forbid, you lose an early game or something like that in the season, and the first thing one of the guys in the locker room, oh, this is a long season, uh-huh. let's bounce back. Well, right. This is not, so we don't have time to, you know, we got to hit the ground running on all aspects of the game. So we are, you know, nine weeks down the road from now, we looking at we we in a position where we want to be. Mm-hmm. I, I I kept. I kept going back and thinking, um, you know, when I was looking at the run game the first week and the second week, and I had to remind myself, it's like, you know what you did your first start? My first start was versus Youngstown State University. Yeah. I had 16 carries and 46 yards and one touchdown. I thought my career was over at Ohio State. (laughs) I'm like, bro, there's no way. They're about to keep me at the start running back, man. I got to do something. The next game, I didn't leave the house other than to go to practice in class. And uh, that next week when I came out and and ball, but I was like – 
Damn. <laughs> it's a wrap here. I do not belong. And we had Brandon Zane. Yeah. Brandon Zane had just won Mr. Ohio yeah. that year. He comes into that first game, and I think he had like eight carries for like 40-something yards. I'm like, shit. <laughs> What's about to happen now? No, but, no. Um, but fortunately enough, man, I was able to kind of get back on track and get rolling, man. So, uh, yeah, man, but with this team, man, what's your overall assessment? Do you think it's – it's a, it's a runaway to the college football playoff, or you think we uh, it's going to be a little bit um, bumps in the road? I think you still, man, you still gotta you still gotta realize that who you got at the end of the road. You still got an Indiana team that's up and coming, that's, that's looking good, right? You know, um, and I'm not gonna have my verdict out on them until I see what they do this weekend versus a, a quality opponent, a somewhat quality opponent team up north. But at the end of the season, you still got Ohio State versus team up north, which all records, all everything goes out the window when you play that game. Mm-hmm. Clearly. So um, it's still some few bumps in the road that we got to um, overcome and kind of we, we can't look forward. Right. I know it's a short season and, you know, um, every every game counts. Um, it's going to be hard to bounce back from anything. Like I said before, I personally think Penn State season is over, mm-hmm. you know, because of if Ohio State went out, clearly you guys are. Right. See you later. You know, um, they lost two already. Yes, I mean, yeah. So. You know, and, and the team up north already lost one, so they are feeling the heat under their butts because they know what they're playing for. It's mm-hmm. no more. It's no time for slips up, slip ups. But um, I mean, the bumps in the road can get you, but Ohio State, you got to keep the eye on the prize and take it one week at a time. I, I agree, a hundred percent. But it's so hard because it is a shortened season, not to look forward because you know yeah. when the college football playoff is going to be. You know what else is out there for you and, and what you want to accomplish. Um, personally, man, I, I think this team can run the table. I don't really see a, a huge challenge in front of them. Uh, obviously, Michigan, they're going to come and bring in their you know, best shot, but I haven't been – check that. I was overly impressed with Michigan week one versus Minnesota. I thought they looked real good. And then I watched them lose to Michigan State, who had just lost to Rutgers. It's like, man, what is this? I mean, <laughs> but nonetheless, man, with this Ohio State team, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this team get in that college football playoff, be well on both sides of the football, and uh, – we got to talk about Justin Fields as an individual, man, and what you think, uh, you know, his future entails. I personally see potentially a Heisman Trophy yeah. in his sight. I mean, the way that the kid plays, his completion percentage is all the way up there. Obviously, you got to get rid of the ball sometimes. Yeah. What's your thought as a quarterback? I mean, I, I, same thing, man. I think he is definitely um, one of, if not the best player in the country, mm-hmm. um, just from <laughs> the first two weeks. But you can just see the growth in him from last year to this year on top of from week one and week two. Mm-hmm. He's making major strides to becoming that player that he ultimately wanted to become, whatever that decision is to him and whatever that talk was between him and Ryan Day. You can see, and then the guy made this, he started this commitment last year after they lost to Clemson with the way he changed his diet, the way he changed his body, and just the little things like that. Right. Uh, I mean, I personally think, you know, he's the Heisman, you know, pretty much front runner right now, mm-hmm. but you can tell the kid is all about team. Yeah, he is. And that's one thing you got to respect him. You got a guy that is team first, um, and he's the leader on this team, man. And you, can, you can tell. Yeah, you clear, it's a, you clearly you can tell because of, I mean, when when the Big Ten first came out and canceled the season, who was the guy who jumped on? You know, the, who, who was the guy who led that charge of Ohio State football, with Ohio State community, with mm-hmm. Ohio State alumni to try to get this season back? It was Justin Fields. This kid only been here for, at that point, year and a little half. over a yeah. year. Yeah, a little over a year now, you know, at that point. So, um, he's definitely a leader, man. I, I love, I love him personally. I mean, don't know him as well as I want to get to know him yet. Mm-hmm. But I can only imagine how how great of a kid he is, and 
pretty much he he had to come from a great background. Yeah, and that's even crazier too because he wasn't one of those guys that said, you know, I'm opting out. And everybody knows Justin Fields will be a first-round pick. Whether that's the first quarterback taken or the second or third quarterback taken, he's going to be a first-round pick with his ability and what he showed last year. He could have easily opted out like we've seen other guys do across the country, and he didn't. Man, that spoke volumes to me about what he really wanted and how he wanted to set a tone here at Ohio State and for his career. Yeah. Um, moving on, man, just all the way around college football. I mean, you, you watch a little bit of everybody. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. What's been your thoughts on Clemson? Do you think Clemson can win this weekend uh, playing Notre Dame without Trevor Lawrence? Because last week it looked kind of scary for them boys. I mean, yeah, it did look a little, it, looked, it did look a little sketchy for them. But you know, you gotta get, you gotta get kudos to Boston College. They, they knew what they were facing. They mm-hmm. knew they were, you know, their Heisman Trophy hopeful quarterback was pretty much out. You know, they was throwing a, uh, a freshman in there, and they wanted to have an opportunity to send out a knockout blow. Right. And they came out with everything they had. And you know, if it wasn't for a few, you know, plays or calls that didn't go Boston College way, they would have won that game. Mm-hmm. But, I won them two, two for Je- for, Je- for Jeff Hadley. I wanted them to win that game. Yeah, so bad, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I think Clemson definitely have the ability to win this game this week because I look at Notre Dame, I look at their track record, I look at their, you know, their season so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, who has they played? Right. Who have they played? And they struggle versus uh, Louisville. I think two weeks ago with a, like an ugly win. I mean, they got the win, but they didn't look that impressive. And in a few games I saw and some highlights I saw them, they haven't looked that impressive. And, you know, when it comes to Notre Dame and in the spotlight, when it comes to big games like this, mm-hmm. to me personally, I mean, I haven't seen them much play. I mean, play much, but they don't perform. Yep, I knew you was yeah, going to go really there, Yeah, they really don't perform. hundred <laughs> percent. You know, and it's kind of it's kind of going to my track record, going a little bit off subject with the team up north of Indiana this week. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody they favored, but our yeah. <laughs> ball don't have a good track record versus ranked opponents. I want to light on. Yeah, but going back to Clemson and things like that. I mean, they have the ability, I think, to win this game, and I actually taken them winning this game by um, by two scores, so ten mm-hmm. plus. But. Um, We'll see. I think the quarterback, you know, that rookie quarter I mean, that freshman quarterback, he's definitely going to hit his strides. But, you know, just if all else fails, get the ball to the running back. He's right. a pretty good player. <laughs> One of the best in the country. He's for sure. a pretty good player. <laughs> so I, I want you guys' opinion on this. Not just Cardell, but Will, we got you back there. Spence, you back there. So y'all can just yell it, and I'm sure they'll hear you in the microphone. <laughs> if Cincinnati runs the table, they in. should they get into the they college in. football playoff? Absolutely. Will says yes. Spence, where we at? No. You got to give me some reason and why you don't believe they get in the. They should get into the college football playoff if they run the table. Oh well, man! Okay, but let me, should they? Let me let me say this. Let me say this. Pac-12 is out. Go go figure out something else. You got Ohio, you got a Big Ten champ, right? Which will be Ohio State. You're going to have the ACC champ, which most likely will be an undefeated team. You got an SEC champ, which is going to be most likely an undefeated team. Who, who else? If Cincinnati wins out. Spence, I always love to get you taken here. I mean, you act like you didn't want to answer. So, so, all right, I got to get in the camera. You know. <laughs> we'll, we'll edit this up for us. So, my thought process behind this is you, you're giving me, like, one scenario is Cincinnati in the playoff. If it's all chalk, then then probably yes. But I just, like, this college football season has been so weird. Uh, Georgia or Florida is going to get to play Alabama. If one of them upsets an undefeated Alabama, that's two SEC teams in. If Notre Dame beats – Clemson this weekend. Clemson comes back with Trevor Lawrence and beats him in the ACC championship game. Notre Dame, for once, is going to play in a conference championship game. Both of those two teams are in with one loss. If Ohio State and Wisconsin, if Wisconsin can get six games in, if that happens, Wisconsin somehow upsets Ohio State in the, in the Big Ten championship game. 
both of those two teams are probably in. There are so many scenarios that involve a conference getting, and we're not even talking about. Like, I think USC is damn good. Like USC is going to be good this year. That's my thing about the Pac-12. Yeah, USC, know. Oregon, the Pac-12. You got op- you got opportunities for for that conference to to if they run the table. Uh, I could see a seven and zero USC, a six and zero USC if because of that name recognition. You can't tell me name recognition doesn't matter. Yeah, it definitely matters. I mean, <laughs> it definitely so, matters. It would be awesome to see Fick Cincinnati get in the college football playoff. That would be great. And and it would be cool just to see them try and go up against an Alabama or a Clemson or Ohio State, whoever gets that one seed. Mm-hmm. There are just so many opportunities for the, the Power Five conferences to stick their claim to two spots that I just think the odds are stacked so far against Cincinnati that I just don't see them getting it. And, and the, the question I have to go along with that is, at what point do you start having to make an automatic bid for one of those schools? What conference are they in? Is it A, is it at some point in time, when you get one of those schools that does go undefeated, they should get an automatic bid, especially when we're talking about having an opportunity to hoist a national championship. They want to be considered, too. They go to work just like everybody else. I understand we got these power conferences, uh, the Big Tens, the SECs, the ACCs, the Pac-12s, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but you got to start considering these guys, man. They just know, they're not any small fry. They do beat good teams, too. Yeah, yeah I agree. But you gotta when you start considering them guys, I think – if that scenario happened, I think they don't. Only reason why they don't get considered this year is because they didn't have the first three games, which they could have been out of conference games, where they could have played a, uh, a a mid-level ACC team, could have played a mid-level Big Ten or a Pac-12 or something like that, or competed with Ohio State or something like right. that. And you take that in consideration if they went out and the only loss was versus a really good team, mm-hmm. something like that. But um, I think if they went out, Ohio State went out, Clemson went out. Alabama or Georgia went out. I think you got to put them in. Yeah, I mean, I, I do, man. I would love to see it too. You know, where's Luke Fickle? We'll ask where's Fickle going to coach after Cincinnati. You know what? This is not going to be a popular opinion. Right. If I'm Luke Fickle, I'm not going anywhere. Cincinnati is a lifetime job for a guy like Luke Fickle. If he's if he goes, he wins ten games, and every so often, you know, he he may have the down year, and that down year consists of them winning eight games or maybe seven games, but he constantly wins 10, 11, 12 games, 10, 11. What, what do we have, 12 games in a season, college football? Yeah, 12. 10, 11 games on a regular basis, that's a lifetime job. They will put a statue up of Luke Fickle in Cincinnati. They will pay him whatever he wants to stick around there. He already got his contract up to stay around there, and we know how Luke loves Ohio. Yeah. It took him so long to leave Ohio State because he loved Ohio that much. So I can imagine – uh, it's not going to be an easy situation for to get him out of Cincinnati because he turned down jobs last year. Yeah, stay at stay at Cincinnati until Ohio State Ryan Day goes back to NFL. Yep, that's what I think. I think stay at Cincinnati until Ryan Day go back because I think I look at Coach Day and, I, and and you know I, I look at his his build his build when it comes to what he really want to deal with. Yeah, Coach Day is a great people person. I think after his kids are done with high school here because, you know, they are some of the best school systems that you could find definitely in Ohio, let alone the country, um, let alone uh, in country, let alone Ohio. Um, I think, you know, when they get to a point where they are um, in college and, and, you know, there so, I think he goes back to the NFL. Speaking of Ryan Day and Ryan Day's kid, we played his son twice. His son plays for a little league old intention. Baller. Beast. Baller. Good at quarterback, quarterback, even better on defense. Baller. Even better on defense. Headhunting. 
I mean, a beast. I got. I had to say that. He played. He played, he played E in uh, his day. Yeah, yeah. Baller. Oh, yeah. Baller. He already told me straight ball. He's a beast, man. Yeah. So, but I think I think Ryan. I mean, not I, clearly. I don't know, but I I think you know, even though the success he's having on a college level, mm-hmm. I still view him as an NFL quarterback. Right. And just a, I mean, NFL coach. And just the way, I think last spring when I, I just the way I was around a little bit, watching from afar and seeing how you interact with guys, seeing how you get in and out of practice. It's such an NFL environment that yep. he gathers in there when it comes to, you know, the the small things and it being so detailed. I, and, you know, not saying the guys weren't accustomed to that or, or were responding to that well. It's just more fit for NFL. What's, what's Ryan Day, 39-40? Ryan Day is 39-40? All right, so he pits in his 10 years. He's already two years in. Put in eight more years, and then you go on to the NFL at that point. But I, I don't think you do it anytime soon because Ohio State is one of those jobs that you have, if you're winning, you have the consistency. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, we, we haven't fired – the coaches that we fired the last 20 years, I mean, it's been something associated uh, with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so Ohio State's a job that you definitely hold on to. You win a bunch of games. You uh, get your name up there in the Raptors as one of the all-time greats. And I think being here 10 years, you can do that. Then go on to the NFL and give it a try there. Yeah, um, I th- but it, I think it got to be the right opportunity for right. to leave. You don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't say like a – he won't be in a situation like you say, like, oh, hard ball to the Jets next year. Right. Go from the, the shittiest team <laughs> in, uh, right. in college to a team that's kind of rebuilding and freaking in the To NFL. the Browns, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, nah. he, I don't think he'd go to a rebuilding situation. I think he'd go to a situation where the the next step for this team to make is the coach. Mm-hmm. That's what he goes to. And whatever opportunity you know presents itself, maybe. And that's the same way I feel about Fick. That's why I don't believe Fick will leave Cincinnati this year. Yeah, what he, job's going to be up? I mean, you know Michigan's probably going to be up after this year. Does fit go to Michigan? I wouldn't see it, yeah. and I wouldn't do it because I don't know that Michigan's going to be able to rebound. If anybody could get him to, obviously, you know, Fick would be able to because he's a hell of a recruiter. Yeah. But where do you go? You take another college football job, uh, coaching for I don't know three or four or five years. You have the ups and downs. Yeah. You end up getting fired, then go back to being a coordinator or something like that. Exactly. When I when I think of when I think of big. When, when coaches make big moves like that, a two-way a university, I was always shocked about the Ryan Day mm-hmm. hire. Only one reason why, because if you look at the track record of Ohio State coaches, they got some type of ties to Ohio or the university. Mm-hmm. And and it's going to be certain schools like that that's going to accept a guy in certain positions if he got – I mean, Harbaugh because he had ties to Michigan or whatever, he, whatever his ties was. A school like uh, uh, Michigan – Texas, Ohio State, USC don't care. They just want to win. So they hire people. You need no ties. Or maybe like a uh, – maybe maybe a Florida State. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But especially Ohio State, Michigan, and Texas, I think the head coaches having some type of ties. Mm-hmm. Maybe was a GA. Maybe grew up in the state. Maybe right. played there or something like that to, to be a part, to be able to walk into that university and have the full support of the university and the state to – Let's get this job mm-hmm. done. You know, we need this. We need this. We need this. Oh, we need it. You said that. Boom. You got it. Right. So, I don't think Michigan will be the fit for Fick. Nah. Just not, because. Not at all, man. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see it either, man. Just because I love Fick, man. Yeah, I would. A hell I would of a dude, man. <laughs> <laughs> a hell of a dude. Um, yeah, man, but what else we got? man? So, who are our top five teams right now in the country? You got that list? Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. Ohio State, 
and Georgia. And I think Notre Dame's getting out of there this weekend. And, uh, yeah, so we don't have any big matchups. We're going to start back bringing these matchup things. We're coming back to you weekly, people, and we will bring the matchups back. And I know my record wasn't the greatest last year, but I'm looking forward to improving uh, my record on these matchups. Man, we would do these deals to where we give our, you know, our picks for the week. Oh, I'm going to smoke you. Oh, well, let's get oh, it. Oh, I'm going to smoke you. Let's get it. Because I, I put – I'm, I'm going to smoke it. <laughs> 100%. And we're going to add some personal bets in here, too, with this. Yeah. Anything else you want to hit, man? Man, I mean, hey, we, we talked about, you know, what's going on in the country as far as other schools. And, you know, uh, my guy, my guy, Texas Tom, hopefully he stick around for a few more years down there in Texas. Uh, but, I mean, other than the Big 12 looking like, you know, Recess football. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, only things popping right now is the Big Ten and somewhat the SEC and just – I wouldn't say the ACC. I just say Clemson. Right. Speaking of, uh, you know, Tom, Tom Herman in Texas, what does he think of that? What's his thought process of, you know, the, the, the thought that everybody thinks the Big 12 plays no defense because they really do play no defense. It's just yeah, you know, go I around mean, and just throw the ball. I mean, I haven't personally asked that question to him, but I know that – that stereotype is out there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I wouldn't call it stereotype. That truth is out there. <laughs> right. Um, that's why he That's why he went to go get, you know, Chris Ash, a guy he had experience with at Ohio State, you know, former head coach of Rutgers. Um, by the way, when Chris took that job at Rutgers, I always asked him, I was just like, like what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, good luck. But anyway. Um, that's not what you take. Yeah, yeah. That's neither here or there. But anyway, um, I, I think that seeing the success that we had on defense where him and Luke was calling defense when Coach uh, Herman was at Ohio State as offensive coordinator and the battles we had every day in practice, you know, him versus Chris, he went to go get that guy to fix some of them woes right. on defense far as their, for their program. Mm-hmm. It sucks to see that they didn't have a spring ball coming into a new coordinator. Offense and defense, they didn't have a spring ball to really get those much-needed reps, right. that communication, those those techniques, those fundamentals down packed to have success on the football field, and they kind of they kind of seen it, you know, with with some misassignments, with some MAs and, and things like that. Yeah. So I, I obviously know you're still going to be playing at some point um, and still training hard, look good, in good shape. Um, speak on how hard it's been right now with with COVID for guys that are. Kind of waiting on the phone call or waiting for the workout. Isn't it much harder now because awesome. teams are not necessarily wanting everybody to come into their facilities? Exactly. We're not tr- bringing somebody in on the airplane to, to bring them here. We already see teams or games getting canceled. Exactly. Oh, it's been extremely tough because I had four workouts with teams canceled when the first COVID outbreak happened. Actually, um, the rookie corner from Clemson that plays for uh, the Falcons, t- Tate. T- uh, t- I think his last name Tate. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, uh, so the NFL kind of got – teams start to get a little more stricted on their protocol and probably just bringing players in and being more cautious about that. So that kind of screwed me there. But it's tough, like you said. If right. you don't – you see, the guys who are getting signed now are guys who are – clearly the team have faith in them. They're staying in shape and they're still playing. They're still active and moving around. But guys that are getting signed that – Coordinators or or position coach had experience with these guys right. somewhere else. Before. Relationship. So it's all about who you know at mm-hmm. this point, you know. And it just sucks to see that two of my coordinators right now, you know, one was my rookie year, Greg Roman, who was up in um, with Lamar Jackson and with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. 
I can't run an offense. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, another guy, Ken Winsey Hunt, is actually um, out right now. So that would have been a perfect fit because I love my system that was with the Chargers. Right. Um, that they still kind of still running, but I mean they're doing really good with you know Tyrod Taylor and uh, Justin Hilbert right now, and, they, and he's killing it. By the way, I, yeah, I um, forgot you had Wiz. You know, I yeah. had Wiz as my head yeah, coach. And, man. And, uh, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Wiz, yeah, Wiz, man. <laughs> so um, yeah, at this point, it's all about who you know, and um, just trying to get that shot and. Just wait, like you said, wait on the phone to ring. Right. But in the meantime, while he's not playing, we're going to have him here on Letterman Row and on this podcast. Yeah. At some point, when you do decide to hang it up, could you see yourself getting into coaching? You know what? That's a great question. I don't know. I know you got a real close relationship with Tom Herman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And me and Tom had that talk. You know, he always wanted me to come down to pretty much not necessarily intern, but see if I really want to coach. Right. Yeah, I would love to pass down the knowledge that I have you know, of the game and some of my um, experiences to, to help betterment a player. Um, but I think it will have to be, honestly, on a really small level mm-hmm. or the NFL. Gotcha. Because it's hard for me to put myself in a situation where I'm coaching. And actually, no, I'll take that back. I would have to coach for a time, Herman, because I know the way he run his program. Mm-hmm. And I've been around the guys from Houston to freaking Texas. Right. It's hard for me to go recruit a kid, tell him how great he is, tell him how great he's going to be, and then go next door and tell that same kid the same thing, mm-hmm. just to try to get him there. And then when one don't work out, now I'm trying to run him out of there. Right. After I just sat in his living room with his parents, mm-hmm. told him how great he's going to be, I'm going to take care of him, this and that, this and that. But yet he might not turn out as great a player I thought or we thought as a staff that he's going to be, now we need to free up his scholarship. Right. Now we're trying to run him out the door. So it's such a business for the coaches and not the players. And I kind of – I love the transfer protocol mm-hmm. because it put a little bit more power back in the players' hands. Right. But I can't sit there and, and physically try to run a player out of a university, be try to free up a scholarship for the next kid. I, right. I, so it, it, it'll be hard to coach major ball, but I know how Herman runs his program. I know it's not like that. I mean, if a player don't work out, okay, well, we're still going to honor his scholarship. We're not going to, we're not going to degrade him. We're not going to try to get him to transfer, <laughs> right. you know, stuff like that. Uh-huh. So he'd be definitely a guy, or if there's other guys out there that clearly I don't know of, haven't been around too many head coaches. Um, I'll have to coach for a program and, and, and be under a guy like that. That's what's up. Where's KG coaching at now? KG is at La Tech. Okay. If All I'm right. not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, last I heard from him, he was at La Tech. Okay. And that was earlier this year. Gotcha, gotcha. So. Well, yeah, man, that's a, that's a wrap on the show, man. I appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back talking about, you know, another Ohio State win coming up this coming week. We'll be talking about what's going on in college football. We didn't even hit on NFL, um, and we always will hit on NFL. Anything? Yeah. So take on the Browns real quick oh, before man. we get out of here. Um, You're a Cleveland boy. What's your take, man? Um, no, I ain't going to ask you. Is Baker the guy? You know what? I'm not going to engage on other quarterback playing in the NFL because I'm a, I'm a always, I might be a little biased to that because, you know, I'm going to feel like in any situation. You, you got to go into a locker room at some point, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. So, let so, me back up off that. So, yeah, yeah. And, and, but like this, I am personally, me personally, I am a Baker Mayfield fan uh-huh. because I think if just by his demeanor, his attitude. Right. I think if, think about it like this. You're not used to seeing an attitude, a demeanor, and, and like that at a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But if he's better at a different position, everybody will love him. Right. Because he got swagger. He he talked he talk the talk. He back it up sometimes. But I just love pretty much his demeanor, man, and the way he go about his business. Well, I'm going to answer that question. <laughs> I don't know if Baker's the answer yet. I'm not all the way ready to throw in a towel, but it's, it's pulled out my pocket. 
It ain't on the, it ain't on the canvas yet, but it's pulled out my pocket, man. I gotta see some more. I think we got the perfect coach for him because yeah. he's limiting Baker to what uh, he's not letting Baker get in his own way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with that. But you know, it was three it was three teams that I said these quarterbacks won't last the whole season. I'm not gonna bring them up, but, <laughs> but I'm just speaking off off the track record of players they brought in, mm-hmm. the backups they brought in. And I'm speaking off the track record of the coaches and what they're not standing for. Right. What's the head coach of the Cleveland Browns? Stepanovich, something like Stevanski. Yeah, yeah. I just know he's from Minnesota. He had Case Keenum in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and he brought Case Keenum in there to push Baker. If Baker ain't the answer, he's going to put Case in there. So yep. he didn't bring Case in there to mentor Baker because mm-hmm. Case is more than capable. Like he had him in freaking Minnesota and went to the playoffs. Right. He almost game away from the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So he brought him in there to push the guy. But if he ain't, you know, if Baker don't turn out to what we all think he capable of that's why you got case there 100 percent agree man 100 percent. yeah that's our sample of the nfl we normally would hit on more of the nfl and i don't know how i got away from me but we certainly will uh in coming weeks but yeah man tune in subscribe all that good stuff thanks a lot for watching see you guys